Nothing in this podcast is intended as investment advice, and the people in this podcast may have a position in the stocks they talk about. Do not buy anything based solely on a tip or recommendation or the content of this podcast. Do your own research. Welcome to the All Points West podcast. We have a first today, as I'm joined by two people, Neil Stevens and Matt Timmins who are joint chief executives of Fintel, which is an AIM-listed financial technology firm. Fintel has a current market value of about $200 million, employing some 500 people, and is perhaps best known for its de facto subsidiary, whose star ratings give consumers an independent assessment of quality and provide guidance that helps people to choose the right financial products. So not only is it a rarity that Neil and Matt share CEO responsibilities, they're also lifelong friends having grown up together. So for the benefit of the listeners, Fintel has two main subsidiaries, de facto, as we've mentioned, and Simply Biz, which was founded by Ken Davey some years ago. Ken stood down as chair of Fintel earlier this year, but is still the biggest shareholder with about 25%. So Welcome, guys. Tell us about the Simply Biz part of the business. What does it do and how is it different to de facto? Hi, Carl. Good to meet you. And yeah, we're very pleased to see Simply Biz enter its 21st year of doing something really important in the financial services sector. And that's helping professional intermediaries run their businesses and look after their clients. So the original genesis of the business, Simply Biz helps financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and wealth managers to stay ahead of the regulation, gives them the technology and the information and the research they need to give professional financial advice. Great stuff. Thanks, Neil. So unusually for a lot of AIM firms, Fintel is profitable, pays regular dividends to investors. You've also been pretty active in the market for acquisitions. Just recently, earlier this year, Fintel completed two tech firm acquisitions through your subsidiaries, de facto, and Fintel IQ, which I believe is a newly formed tech platform. So in July, Fintel purchased Competent Advisor via Fintel IQ. And at the same time, you bought MeCap or MyCap through de facto. So tell us about those deals. How did they come about and what do they add to the business? Just um, quickly, in addition to what I talked about for Simply Biz then, um, Competent Advisor is a great example of how we're building a platform of services and technology that helps professional advisors be compliant and be successful. Competent Advisor is the industry's leading educational platform. As you'll imagine, being a a professional advisor means you have to have specialist knowledge. You must evidence competency and continuing professional development to meet the standards of any professional body. Competent Advisor is the UK's leading digital platform for content, education and qualifications. And so you can imagine bringing that into Simply Biz, where we have this wonderfully big and diverse customer base of professional intermediaries, means that the Competent Advisor business gets a bigger audience and we're able to develop some extra special content with them as well. So that's a great example of how we use acquisitions to develop the business and our our products and services. And I think to add on to that, Carl, it's it's Matt here. So to to add on to that and to to give it some context. So 
We love the world of UK retail financial services. We think it works really well for consumers. They've got access to thousands of different financial products from hundreds of well-known and well-capitalized businesses at a price and value, which is commensurate with the competitive nature of that market. What is peculiar, though, in the UK is it's a heavily intermediated market, so thousands of advisors giving advice to end consumers. And we think that's a great place for consumers to be in. You know, advice from a local professional, whether that be a financial advisor or a mortgage broker. We think this part of the market works incredibly well. So everything we do is to support UK retail financial services. And that's why we set up Simply Biz to support that market. In addition to that, we also support consumers through our de facto business by rating financial products. So we're the only business out there to research and rate 43,000 different financial products on the basis of the quality of the product itself. So this is the kind of underlying componentry and constituents of the product. It's not a peer group rating or a service group rating. It's an assessment based on the quality of the product. And MyCap is an extension to the de facto platform in that MyCap researches and rates alternative investment products, so tax advantage products like VCTs and EISs and those kind of products. Okay. Thanks for that, Matt. Just take us inside that experience, though, those two deals. How did they come about? Were you approached by management of those businesses or their advisors, or were they companies that you'd been tracking for a while and had your eye on? Yeah, so both Neil and I have been active in the sector for over 20 years now. So we've built up lots of of really good, solid relationships uh, over that period of time. And we know the main businesses in the market. So we tend to originate deals ourselves rather than go into a process. In fact, I, I can't remember the last time we went into a process of any description to look at a business. We first of all identify the components that we want to add onto the platform. We work with and look and assess the quality of the management teams. And then we we take the acquisition from there. Yeah. Okay. Neil, I think I've seen you quoted recently also saying that you're still on the lookout for further acquisitions. What can you tell me about where you're up to with that process? Is there anything you can tell me? It's our ambition to give our customers the very best of what they need in a connected way. And so Mm -hmm. there are things that will make their lives easier, make them more productive, help them deliver service to their clients that we want to buy and bring onto our platform. In the past, we've worked alongside companies and we've had great partnerships, but I think the requirement to integrate systems and to let data flow around the business uh, for professionals means that we're much more inclined now to buy rather than to just partner or kind of recommend other solutions alongside our own. So Matt and I have been working through looking at what products are going to deliver the biggest benefit to our customers and which businesses around the sector do we really like and think they're going to be important going forwards. And then we strike up conversations. So we're, we're actively working on a deal pipeline um, and, you know, um, we're quite excited about, the, you know, the next six to 12 months and finding some new things to add to the Fintel platform. How are you finding the market for M&A at the minute? Is is it not more difficult to get these deals over the line given the economic backdrop? They're, all, they're, they're always a bit more difficult when you're originating them. So that's where we go and find the companies and work with them and build a deal ourselves rather than a company that's already been packaged for sale. 
We don't like those deals so much because they're built from a very generic point of value rather than us looking specifically at what we want to add value at. Um, So I think in order for deals to go through and add value in today's market, there needs to be some genuine reason for bringing the companies together. When the market's been buoyant as it was and cash has been very cheap, you could buy pretty much anything in a leverage buyout and make money in the way you fund it, in the way you grow it. Um, So, you know, the biggest component of value creation came from the financing aspect in a lot of M&A. I don't think that's the case now. You guys have been friends since childhood. Perhaps I could direct this question to Matt. If you could talk a little bit about where you both met, how old were you when you met, and um, where was this? Neil and I have been working together as joint CEOs since 2010. But prior to that, we have known each other for coming up towards 40 years now. We grew up on the same cul-de-sac and went to the same school. And so I I think that helps when you go into business together because... You, you know each other's strengths incredibly well, and that helps make sure that you, you stick to those when you get faced with new challenges, as we do on a regular basis through Fintel. So growing up as kids, Neil has always been much more analytical than I have, much better academically than I am. But uh, I think he will also recognize that I've got some qualities of my own when it comes to marketing and sales. So we stick to each other's strong points. That's the fun one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just for the benefit of the listeners, where was this cul-de-sac? Which part of the UK did you grow up in? Yeah, so we're originally from the Midlands, so um, just around um, South Staffs. And so that's where uh, Neil and I both lived and, and went to school. And then we chose different paths following A-level. So I went to study marketing and Neil went into to engineering. Good stuff. Neil, if I could just direct this to you, what was it that drew you together in those early days? You say that Matt was the fun one. Yeah, I think very like-minded characters in the values that we think are important. We're both very interested in business, solving problems. Matt is brilliant at understanding the market, the changes in the market and sentiment and what drives people to make decisions. And I enjoy looking at how you organise stuff to create value for your customers. So even from a young age, you enjoyed the same things, but from different perspectives that you bring to it, which is what I think makes any relationship a bit more interesting than just having a conversation with yourself so what were you like at school in staffs i was a lot shorter back then (laughs) well matt matt says that you're the smart one so uh, i'm guessing you were pretty academic you know i think um uh, i like problem solving i enjoy complex problems and i like to do things that challenge me Uh, financial services is a fantastic sector if you think of all of the different consumer needs the different products on offer the different ways they're built and delivered and the the thousands of different small businesses that deliver professional advice alongside some of the biggest banks in the world it's like a great big complex problem of people need insurance or capital or savings or returns or income or uh, intergenerational products so if you think of it from that perspective it's like a big game, but with very serious consequences and, and the importance of getting it right is huge. So that's kind of what makes this sector so attractive, I think. And Matt, what about you? What, what were you like at school? I, I was distinctly average and that, that's, that's, probably, um, that's probably giving myself far too much credit. Um, so yeah, I, it, it wasn't a place that I, I enjoyed a lot. 
I definitely preferred the, the sort of sport aspect of it rather than the academic aspect. Um, right. But then I went on to university afterwards and thoroughly enjoyed that. I think it's what you're studying rather than how good you are at it. So once I got into the, the, the world of business and marketing through my degree, I found it much more enjoyable and I, I performed much better. So my background and interest and insight has always been on why something happens rather than how it happens. So very, very different to Neil's perspective and point of view on many things. But I'll send send you my old report card one of these days. <laughs> so let's let's stick on that theme then. So you both went off to different universities. That probably would have been the first time that you separated since childhood, having gone to school together and grown up in the same cul-de-sac. Matt, what did you go off and study? You, you mentioned business. Yeah, as I said, I didn't perform incredibly well academically. And luckily in those days, there was clearing and there was CFAX. And so with a combination of those two things, I whisked my way off to the University of Derby and enrolled in a course there to study marketing for three years, which I, I did. And then to kind of postgraduate chartered Institute of Marketing qualification as well. I did both of those at the University of Derby. And then I came out of that university and went straight into financial services working for GE Capital. Okay, great. And Neil, what about you? Where did you go? Did you mention that you did some kind of engineering? Yes, absolutely. So a good few years engineering, engineering degree, automotive and aerospace, which I did love. I thought it was fantastic. Particularly the world cooperates to build big products like aeroplanes or automotive cars. So really enjoyed that. Um, lots of physical products, lots of things to organise and uh, innovate. Then I, I decided to get into finance. So I went then to Manchester to do an MBA, which was part-time. But again, alongside working and studying, I think I got an awful lot from that. It was the case both for my engineering degree and master's degree that I studied part-time. And the one thing I tell people who are thinking of studying is that they should look at it as an option. I think there's no better way to learn than to have the combination of being in a workplace whilst you're going to study a subject at the same time. You know, I know a lot of people go to university full time and then come out and, and work, but I found it amazing to, to do the two things together. So I'd always recommend people have a look at it as an option. Yeah. I'm just curious, how influential were both your sets of parents in your academic choices? Did you follow in anyone's footsteps at all? Or, you know, was that kind of engineering always in your family, Neil? No, I think, you know, as Matt said, we grew up close to each other and, and that, that shared values where you work hard, you take your opportunities in life, you find something useful to do with yourself. Um, those are the principles to you know, get on and and work hard rather than any specific direction. And then what about after university? Where did you both go then? I was studying part-time, so I spent seven years in automotive and aerospace in the UK. I got some time abroad as well, which I enjoyed tremendously, out in Germany and France. Um, which companies did you end up working with? Uh, Land Rover, uh, BMW, which is why I was out in Germany, and Airbus. Uh, which is a cooperative between the Germans, English, French and Spanish. And Matt, what about you after uni? What path did you take? Yeah, so I, I went into financial services. I worked for GE Capital to start with as a, a telesales call centre operative. I did that for around 12 months and then went into the marketing department at GE Capital, again for probably another 12, 18 months. And then I left there to work in marketing for a business that 
Ken Davey owned at the time called DBS Financial Management. He then sold that to Mysis probably six to 10 months after I joined. And then when Ken set up Simply Biz, I, uh, I approached him looking for a, a role. And the rest, I guess, is history. So was that 2002, was it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. November 2002. Okay. okay. All the way through uni and then the various first jobs after uni, did you guys keep in regular contact at that point? Yeah, absolutely. So we were living very much in different places. Neil was living in the Midlands and then Chester. I was a combination of different places from Derbyshire to Cheshire to Leeds and Huddersfield. We always kept in touch, met, it, met up on, on a regular basis, but didn't end up working together till early 2003. Okay. Matt, given that you were at Simply Biz then in 2000, and was it you that went to approach Neil to talk to him about joining or how did that come about? Did yeah, you- I mean, I think it was probably about six months after we'd started, to be honest. We were incredibly successful in taking on new clients. I think we've got our sales and marketing strategy right. We've got our price point right. We're incredibly successful in taking new clients on. But the, the process you need to go through in our business when you take on a new client to help them apply to the, the regulator to become directly authorized to give advice and get their PI insurance and all the things that the firm needs to do to get set up. It's quite a long-winded and lengthy process. And so we were successful bringing companies on board but we just didn't know how to create the right workflow and infrastructure to make sure that we could continue to be successful. We'd essentially built ourselves our own bottleneck. And knowing Neil's background, his skill sets, and his absolute ability to take this in his stride, I, I reached out, even though he was working full-time for Airbus there, and said, could you come and just do some you know, consultancy work, if nothing else, to help us get on the right track? And then those once he gets stuck into a problem, he wants to solve it and own it and and run it the right way through to the end. He eventually fell in love with the business and the sector and was delighted to join. So Neil, from your point of view, what was the attraction of that proposal from your old friend? I'd just done my MBA. Um, yeah. You know, having previously obviously done a lot of engineering stuff and I enjoyed tremendously engineering. You know, you've got big products, you know, aeroplanes and cars and huge machines and factories and stuff everywhere. You know, it's like a big toy box. But the problem is it's so slow to change. You know, I, I remember at Airbus, there was €3 billion Euros spent on the drawing phase and the testing phase before the first bit of metal was cut on the A380. So you're talking yeah. 10 years of long development before anybody switches a machine on and starts making something. And then many more yeah. years after that to build the first product, get it certified, all that sort of thing. So I think once you've done one cycle of stuff, in automotive and aerospace, you're going to be waiting a long time for before you get your next payoff. So yeah, I was really attracted by financial services, how quickly it changes, how the regulations shape change in the sector, and how software particularly is changing the way businesses operate, the way people think and consume financial products. So as Matt said, I came in for about six to 12 months to do some consultancy. And then I was asked to join the board as operations director and it was still a very small business at that point, but I just couldn't say no. I really wanted to be involved, and very grateful I did. Yeah, I think fast forward now to 2010. I think I'm right in saying that you guys both became co-CEO at the company. How did that come about? Just describe that process in the run-up to that. Yeah, it was an unfortunate um, circumstance and situation. So 
Neil had been operations director since 2003 and I was marketing director. And the business, as I say, was, was going incredibly well. And we were fortunate enough to work for an absolutely lovely guy called Ian Thornycroft, who was the managing director of the business at the time. And Ian sadly passed away very unexpectedly. So our chairman, Ken, had a, a choice to bring in a new managing director, which was probably the conventional decision at the time because he could have brought in someone perhaps with a lot of industry experience. Neil and I were still relatively young at that stage. However, Ken obviously saw something that he liked between the two of us and the combination of skills and talents and decided that you know he was going to row against convention in, in some sense and uh, appoint Neil and I together as, as joint um, CEOs which he, he did um, very shortly after uh, Ian's passing. And we've, we've won the business since then, since 2010. It's quite a brave decision, really, on his part to split the role. I think it was an incredibly brave decision. I mean, the, as I said, conventional wisdom says joint CEOs don't work. And I, there's probably enough evidence out there in the market to, to, to support that to some extent. Very often when you put two businesses together and you put CEOs together who've got you know very different agendas and um, sort of political points to score and settle, maybe the, the model doesn't work well. I think what, what Ken saw in, in Neil and I is that we tend to stick to what we're good at. And so there is a natural division of labor there between the two of us and, and natural division in terms of what tasks we take on and how we support the other one with it. And also because of this unique position where we've been friends since we were six or seven, then I guess there's also no politics involved. We're able to look at a problem and, and, and want to solve it and to help the other one out. And I think that's part of the ratification for his decision. And, you know, time will tell whether he made the right one, but I, I think we're doing all right at the moment. You must, like all friends, get on each other's nerves, though, occasionally. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. You know, you, very often when you're in pressure situations and, you know, times are challenging... It's only the ones that are closest to you that feel the brunt, you know, whether that's your, your best friend or your husband or wife or children or, or whatever it may be. Those closest to you are always the one to feel the, the pressure when it rises. So sure. that's that's part of every relationship, taking in the, the good things and the bad things. But when, you, when you've got that much history between you, you, you know when that situation is just born out of frustration and pressure. Um, and, you know, we're able to deal with it. Yeah, great stuff. So just to tie things up, if I could ask Neil first, what do you like doing outside of work? Do you have any hobbies? Um, so uh, I have four, four boys of different ages at home. So, um, you know, family time is really important. Helping them do things and get taken to sports and things is really good. So I really enjoy spending time with the family. Occasionally, Matt and I will get some time where we can go and jump in a kayak, ride a mountain bike or you know outdoorsy stuff that we both really enjoy so you're not you're not golfers i've got a set of clubs that i paid too much money for and um, <laughs> I've, I've used them a few times to poor effect you know but i'd love being outside so i'd love to play golf because i just love the countryside and being out, out and in nature something something a bit more active is up your street if we get the chance, yeah. And, you know, our kids are not dissimilar ages, so we sometimes go away together as families and the kids can, uh, the younger kids can go and have a run around and have a play. So it's nice. Family's really important. Great stuff. Do you still enjoy hanging out with each other or, or are you sick of sight of each other after working together and, know, and knowing each other so long? <laughs> yes, we do, yeah. I mean, as, as Neil said, we've got kids that are fairly similar ages. So I've got three kids, two dogs, also love being out and about. 
And when we get the opportunity, we, we still go skiing together every year and we will do a number of different sports and activities. But yeah, I think that's the test of a lifelong friendship. Great stuff. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up this episode of the All Points West podcast. Neil Stevens and Matt Timmins of Fintel, thanks for your time today and uh, very best of luck with it. Wonderful. Thanks, Carl. Great to speak with you. All the best. Cheers. Cheers.